0: podcast fans, this is Teresa and Rebecca coming to you to tell you about an exciting new podcast we have coming out. So we are going to be
1: discussing mid-brow books that we can't stop reading. We are going to talk about the movie and television counterparts like you've heard us do before on Big Little Podcast. And as you know, we can't have a movie book club comparison episode without our dear friend Carolyn. So she'll be joining us for our movie and television show adaptations of the popular, not so popular, and underappreciated, and everything in between bingeable authors uh, for
0: Midlip. So here's the trailer. Um, We hope you like it, and if you like it, please be sure to find it and subscribe so that you get the first episode as soon as it drops.
1: And be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Pod, and visit our website at www.midlippod.com for background information on the books that we'll be reading and all sorts of fun extras that will enhance your listening experience. So without further ado, enjoy the trailer for Midlit. We read a bit we talk a bit. Teresa. Hi, I'm Rebecca and we are two thirds of Big Little Podcast that have gotten, you know, a little sick of talking about TV. So we're gonna talk to you about midbrow books now.
0: Yeah, we're here to talk about your favorite bingeable authors. No highbrow literary stuff here. Not even a little bit. <laughs> well, no. maybe
1: a little bit. We might we might delve into some higher waters
0: Yeah, you might you might quibble over who is midbrow, who is highbrow, but basically if it's a bestseller, we're willing to talk about it.
1: So on that note, Teresa, what's midbrow literature in your mind?
0: Well, I think for me, it's like if you go to an MFA program and you mention that you read someone and they look at you askance, then um, it's midbrow, right? Like Yeah, my entire master's experience. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's not a, you know, it's not like a cheap um, airport read and it's not you know, necessarily like a cheesy romance. But you know, if you run across some book snobs, they're probably gonna like huff and puff at you and think you're not cool enough. Yeah, I think that's a great definition. Mm -hmm. And I also think like, you don't want to put the books down, right? And it's like you read one, and you want to read something else by that author. Like, I, I can't tell you how many authors I've picked up. And I'm like, I either can't finish this book or never want to read anything <laughs> written ever again. And I'm sure that in your um, master's program, you read all of those authors.
1: Yep, I sure did. And I reached a point after my master's program where I'm like, do I hate reading? Is this just been like the yeah. great illusion of my life? Because I was so tired of reading things that just weren't interesting to me. Authors that I was done with within 25 pages, but then had to, you know, complete a slog through. Mm-hmm. And I, it really did kind of turn me off of reading for a solid year or so. And then when I got back into reading, it was things that I genuinely wanted to read. And I, you know, took some flack for it, reading, you know, things that are right off the shelf that you want to just stay in that author's world and read everything in their canon and is not necessarily stuff that is going to tax your brain, but you're going to feel really good reading it. That to me is kind of the books that I've been drawn to in my adulthood. and. The anti-snobbery of them. I mean, this idea that in my master's program every day was, what do you mean you haven't read Jacques Lacan in the original French? And
0: I was like, come on, guys. This is not fun. (laughs) Like, we aren't enjoying ourselves here. Well, I, you know, for me, like, I have... So a few years ago, I discovered the wonders of a library book sale, right? Where you can go and buy, like, three bags of books for $7. And I decided that was a good place to by like, the classics that I've never read. I now have a pile of classics that I still have never read. <laughs> like, I started trying to read, like, The End of the Affair by Graham Greene, oh. and I'm just like, what is this? This guy's just wandering around in the rain forever, pining over this lady. Like, that do be
1: every Graham Greene book ever, though. I took a whole <laughs> class on Joseph Conrad and Graham Greene, and it was literally just that. It's just sad spies alone in the rain.
0: I, I'm yeah it was like unbearable and I was really surprised because part of the reason I picked that up is because one of my favorite authors often refers to him in books and so I was like oh if he likes them then I must like him right no that is not <laughs> the case that is not the case um, so I, so I you know life is short it's too short to read books you don't actually like right like it yeah it makes no sense and reading is reading it doesn't you know like if you spend six months reading a book that you don't understand like what was the point like you know truly like make it through ulysses good for you nobody has that's no. a lie it it's a lie and you didn't understand it anyway so you didn't what did you yourself. get out of it like yeah it's just like an exercise in self-flagellation
1: yeah that's a great way to describe ulysses <laughs> And I think that is honestly how Joyce would describe Ulysses.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I, even in school, like any of the like modernist writers, where it was like, "I'm just experimenting the form." Yeah. I no, thank you. Like I, I would like to be able to understand. And I'm not like I don't mind a book that's kind of, um, let's say Faulknery, you know, mm-hmm. and like stream, stream of consciousness. Conscious. Yeah. I don't find that particularly hard to follow. I never no. have. But, it's well done. Yeah, but it's like um, if your sentence goes – like my my English teachers built a healthy hatred of the run-on sentence into me. And so if your sentence goes on for three pages, (laughs) like that's not good writing. That's like self-aggrandizement or something. Henry
1: James is notorious for this too and not – I mean Henry James is one that I really tried so many times to get into. Mm -hmm. And he was not stream of consciousness but would quite literally write – a three-page sentence that was grammatically fine, but mm-hmm. ain't nobody want to read
0: that. No, uh, like, what? Like, uh semicolons are bad like I hate them like just stop there there's no reason that was
1: the biggest side effect of my master's I started using way too many semicolons like (laughs) is this the mark of a distinguished author is you just have 18 semicolons in a sentence and the answer is no it's
0: not (laughs) if you can use punctuation that no one else can use then you've earned your master's degree I think that's the I think that's really the um but at what cost Yeah, exactly. There's just too many good books out there that you that are fun, that are like, you've been told are not important. But why? Like, is it because they're for women? Is it because they're um, not experimental enough? Is it because they're too plot driven? Like, Like, there have been too many books out there that people told me I had to read that were bad Yeah, that I could not make it through for me to continue wasting my time. So that's why we started this podcast.
1: If you're one of those people that's kind of on the fence about reading, it's probably because you're reading the wrong stuff. I mean, you really do have to find the stuff that compels you. And for us, that has turned out to be middle brow literature, which is Mm -hmm. how this podcast came to be. So on that note,
0: Teresa, who are we going to talk about first? Well, we're going to talk about the man who led me astray and told me to read Graham Greene, uh, John Irving. He is probably far and away my favorite author. Like I will read anything he writes, no matter how rambling and strange it gets. Um, For me, it's all about like the characters he creates, I think. Like the plots are almost incidental because I get to the end of a book and I don't want it I don't even want to know how it ends because I just like I just want to continue living with these lovely characters and in this bizarre world you've built. Um, so I, I also sort of think he sort of epitomizes, you know, what we mean by middle brow literature or as we call it midlit, right? Because it is literature. Like you're going to find it in the literature section at a um, at a bookstore, but. If you go to the average writer's program or you know any MFA program and tell them he's your favorite author, they're probably going to look at you a little funny.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hadn't really known anything about John Irving um, until you'd brought this up. Uh, I had turns out I didn't actually know that John Irving wrote The Cider House Rules, but I had read The Cider House Rules when I was far too young, and I don't remember anything about it. Everything I remember is from the movie, which I've seen more recently. Mm -hmm. But this was not an author that was on my radar, probably because I have, for many years, ran in a very pretentious literary circle (laughs) and did not stumble across this. And you're so right. I mean, the richness of the characters and the world that he creates is just not a place you want to leave. And it doesn't really matter what's happening. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what whether it's happening in the past or it's a, something that's happening in the present. I mean, he just weaves this rich tapestry that you just want to, like, curl yourself in and stay there forever. I mean, it's a very comfy read.
0: Yeah. And it's not unchallenging in its own way like it's not like you know it's not the hunger games or something you know like it really is it explores a lot of interesting themes and i think if he if you asked him he'd probably tell you he's sort of dickensian Mm. um that's what he writes which is sort of which is another author that he's led not led me astray in (sighs) i know Charles Dickens is a great writer but that sort of trying to barrel my way past the language with him can be a little bit much but you know it's about these characters it's about the world that's created around them it's not about trying to impress you with how long of a sentence I can write and still make it grammatically correct.
1: But very impressive writing, no less. And I think your yeah. point about it not necessarily being easy reading, and I think that's a point generally about these books, Midlet doesn't mean, you know, it's the paperback at the airport or the beach read that you mm-hmm. can just run through in two hours while you're killing some time. Like, these are books that require thought, just not the kind of thought that, you know, makes you want to put a, your head in the oven. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so should we talk about
0: which books we're going to read this season? Yeah, why not? So... We're starting with A Prayer for own meanie because, well, because I harassed you about starting this podcast because I wanted someone to talk to me endlessly about A Prayer for own meanie, because it's my favorite of his books. And it's also, I think, one of his best selling of all time. Um, and it's the book that got me started down this road. So when I was a... I guess I was going into my sophomore year in high school and we had a summer reading list we had to, you know, read three books from or whatever it was. And I went to the local Barnes and Noble and just asked someone like what they would recommend off the list. And she saw oh, a prayer cool. for Owen Meany. And she said, like, you have to read this. If it's not the best book you've ever read, you can like come back and throw it at me. And so I went home and I just binged it. And from there on out, I continued to binge various John Irving books um and so we're going to start with Own Meany and then because it's my first book and then we're going to move on to The World According to Garp which was the book that really brought John Irving to a mass audience it was a huge bestseller it became a movie with Robin Williams in it um it was just a massive massive hit and it actually I'm going to have to correct myself. I, the World According to Garp as a movie might actually be my first exposure to John Irving because when I was very young and unsupervised, someone allowed me to watch this movie like <laughs> late at night when it was on TV. And when I got much older and read the book, I was like, oh, I've, I've already seen this movie. <laughs> like, And I was probably like nine when I watched it, which is disturbing. So since that's his sort of breakout book, we thought it was important to talk about. And then we're going to move on to the pure insanity that is the Hotel New Hampshire. It is mind-boggling to me still that they turned this book into a movie. Like, I do, like I can't even talk about it too much now because we're going to have to talk about it in the episode. But this book is so, so weird. And I think it had some pretty bad reviews because of that. But it is sort of the epitome of what you love about john irving which is where he creates these characters and this bizarre world that you just want to keep existing in and it doesn't matter how weird or slightly unbelievable it is you will just keep reading i'm really looking forward to that one. Oh, it's so bizarre and they all have movies so we're going to be talking about the movies as well in separate episodes
1: we're going to try and do that throughout Um, so Mm -hmm. basically, I I mean, we can talk very briefly about the sort of structure of this podcast. We Mm -hmm. are going to talk about three books per author and each season will contain a single author. And then if there are movies or television or anything that's kind of supplementary to those books, we'll also include those. So you're going to get short seasons that kind of do a deep dive into a midlit author.
0: Mm -hmm. and we're going to welcome it's not just going to be us rambling at you about the books we like we're going to bring other people in to talk to us about these books we've got a great lineup so far we're not going to tell you who that is but they um we've got a professor a podcaster a on-air personality we've got lots of impressive people lined up to talk to you about this including hopefully a man who is actually interviewed john irving at one point so dare i say it'll be lit yeah
1: (laughs) so this podcast will hopefully be coming your way early 2021 as i said all of the episodes for the first season will be dropped at once and then the second season will follow sometime after that all the episodes in entirety so just like we like to binge these authors you can binge this podcast
0: And if you go to our website, midlitpod.com, you can sign up to be notified and we'll tell you when the first episode is getting ready to drop. We
1: We talk a bit. This is a show called Midlit. We read a bit. We talk a bit. This is a show.